Good evening. We are still working our way through Hilchus Brochus. And allow me just to give you the plan for the next few shiurim, well, really the next two shiurim. And please don't groan when I say this. Next shir, Be'ez Hashem, will be just before Purim, which will carry on being on Hilchus Brochus. And the following shir, two weeks later, will Be'ez Hashem Yisbarach be the pre-Pesach shir. Yes, I know with lockdown, we don't realize that Pesach is slowly creeping upon us. But it is, and we will be there in four weeks' time. We will have the pre-Pesach shir, but do not panic, because the pre-Pesach shir will make it nice and easy for you as best as we can, Metz Hashem. And hopefully in four weeks' time, we don't know, with the Seattle Dishmar, we'll be able to have it in the hall all together like we normally do, rather than on uh, this little bit more distant method of speaking on Zoom. So we are in the middle of learning Hilfus Brochus. I'd like to discuss two topics today in Hilfus Brochus, and we've still got quite a bit to do in Hilfus Brochus, so we probably have to continue after Pesach, Be'ez Hashem. Uh, we've still got, I would like to cover two topics tonight. The first is the topic that we've mentioned a number of times, and that is after a certain amount of time, when one finishes eating, then one can't make a Brochus Hamozin or a Brochach anymore. So we'd like to discuss the time the sheer, the time that it takes for a person not to be able to make a brichas, a brocha achreina. What's the time, what's the sheer, what's the parameters for making brocha achreina within how long can one make a brocha achreina, can one not? I then would like to discuss a second subject, and that is the subject of... I'd like to discuss the subject of which foods need a bracha and which foods don't need a bracha? What I mean to say by that is, if I make a bracha on an apple, do I need to make a bracha on my second apple? Do I not need to make a bracha on my second apple? Do I need to make a bracha on a pear? When do I need to make a bracha on the pear? When do I not need to make a bracha if I've already made a bracha on one of my foods? When does a bracha on a single food absolve me of making bracha on other foods? We've discussed the concept of one bracha absolving me of other brachas with regards to with regards to the Suda, if I make a bracha at the beginning of my meal on my bread, then that absolves me from making any other brachas on any other food that comes in the meal. And we've discussed when that applies and when that doesn't apply. What we're going to talk about later in the year today is the when does a bracha on a article of food absolve me from making brachas on other articles of food and other items of food and we'll discuss that. It's not that these are not large subjects but we'll discuss that and then from there we'll move on to a continuation of that subject and that is you'll see why I say it's a continuation when we get there and that is the situation where a person makes a bracha and then discovers that the food that he's made a bracha on is not really edible. What does one do then? Does one, is one allowed to just continue eating another item of food or does one have to make a new bracha? We'll discuss the parameters of that too. So those are the two and a half areas. There's really two subjects that we'd like to discuss tonight. It's two subjects that's going to be divided into three. But the first one we want to discuss is the halacha of what's known as ikul hamozin. The parameter for the length of time. And I'm, I'm using the word time, but it doesn't really actually mean a length of time but the parameter for how long after one has 
eaten, may one still say a bracha achreina. And a bracha achreina means any bracha achreina, whether it's a barina foshes, whether it's me'en sholish and ala michio, ala eitz, ala pure eitz, ala gefen, whatever it is, or even a birches hamazen. Ikon chazal is the time it takes for the food, the food that you've just eaten, to begin to digest. It's known as his, where the food is hischil hamazen lehis akil, where the food has began to digest. Where the food has began to digest, from that moment on, one is not allowed to say a bracha anymore. So if you didn't say a bracha immediately, which you always should, always make a bracha as soon as you finished eating. But if for some reason you were distracted, you were, you were forced to leave the meal, and by the time you come back, it's already a while after you've eaten. How long after I've eaten may I still say my bracha And the answer is from up until the time that it takes for the food to begin to digest. This is not a sub, this is not a, a objective time. This is very much a subjective time. Depends, therefore. The, the, the simplest barometer of what's called hiskala mozan is akil is when am I still, have I become hungry again from that food? Meaning, say I had a plate of chips for supper, which I did not, but say I had a plate of chips for supper. How long later would I again be hungry for a plate of chips? So I ate a plate of chips and I was satisfied with my plate of chips. I couldn't put another chip in my mouth if I tried, right? I then, how long after that would I be hungry for chips again? If I sit down and I think for a moment and I say, would I like to eat some more chips? And I say, oh, no, no more chips. I've just had a whole plate of them. Then I can still say my bichas al-mazen. But it gets to the time when I am ready to have some more chips. I'm hungry to eat more chips again. Then that's the time which in Chazal, Chazal tell us is the beginning of the food be, beginning to digest, and I can then no more say my birchas hamazon or my bracha chreina. Therefore, and the same applies for drink. If I'm drinking a drink, therefore I quench my thirst. So as long as I'm not thirsty for that drink, then I can still say birchas hamazon or my bracha chreina. The moment I become thirsty again for that drink, or begin to become thirsty for that drink, then that drink, that drink has begun to be digested inside the body, absorbed in the body, and I cannot therefore from then on say a bracha achreina. So you can see very clearly that the time frame of chazal is not objective. It's going to depend very much on who you are. Some people eat more, some people eat less. Some people need to eat more often, some people need to eat less often. People are hungrier than others. Plus, it depends on how much you eat. If you ate a large amount of food, a whole huge plate of chips, and you were fully satisfied, it's going to take you longer to be hungry again for chips than if you ate only five, a handful of chips. So the, the, the time is therefore very much subjective, depends on who you are and what you ate. Very much depends on who you are and what you ate. However, where this becomes a little bit more complicated is if a person ate a meal and wasn't fully satisfied. And even at the time he's eating the meal, he's very capable of eating some more. He or she is very capable of eating some more. Hasn't reached the stage of being sated by this food. He's still a bit hungry. So you can't therefore measure. It's very difficult for you to measure the time by thinking, am I hungry now for this food? Am I not hungry? Because I was hungry before. I as soon as I finished the food. So how do I measure, what time frame do I give myself in allowing me to say on a food that I can't actually practically measure whether I'm 
still, well, I'm, whether I'm going to be hungry from this food again, or am I, am I not hungry from this food again? I was never fully satisfied in the first place, so I can't measure that. Now, this is a huge machlekes in the poskim, a very big machlekes in the shenim in the poskim. Exactly w- how long is the minimum that it takes for food to begin to be digested? The the accepted halacha, though it's a big machlekes in the poskim, the accepted halacha is that irrelevant how much of food, how much food you eat. Irrelevant how much it is, large amount or small amount, digestion doesn't begin under 72 minutes. Under 72 minutes when it comes to food. Under 72 minutes from when you began to eat your food, or I should say when you you ended eating your food, 72 minutes from the end of eating your food, then... You can, within that time frame, you can still say Bechasamazan. But that is a Machlekes Apaskin. That's not accepted according to all the, all the opinions. So, primarily, you should be measuring whether you're hungry or you're not hungry. If you can't do that because you never ate enough to satisfy yourself, and if you cannot do that, then you should really be making your Bechasamazan or your Brachachrain immediately. And you should always make a Brachachrain immediately because that really resolves any doubt of any, any problems that you might, that might arise. Less chance of being distracted from your Bechasa Muslim if you say it straight away than if you start reading a newspaper, walking around, answering the telephone and, and being distracted, then you might actually end up reaching a, a time which is a sophic. If you didn't manage straight away because you were inadvertently distracted, then ideally you should say within half an hour. Half an hour doesn't have a very clear parameter in halacha, but it's, hal- it's a time frame which the poskim have said you're most likely to meet most opinions if you say you say your bracha within half an hour. Again, irrelevant whether you ate a lot or you ate a small amount. Within half an hour, you're okay. Post half an hour, you're now entering into this what we'd call twilight area, the the time frame where many poskim say it's too late. But there are many Paskim who say you can still say a bracha and we would Paskim like that, la But why enter into a Sophic? And therefore, in order to avoid that Sophic, if you can eat another Kazais of whatever you were eating up until now, if it's bread, another Kazais of bread, if it's, uh, a, if it's any other food, another Kazais of the other food, which would then obligate you anyway to say a bracha do that and you've resolved your Sophic. If you can't, you, you, you're not able to eat another Kazais because you may not be in a position where you can eat another kezayis, then up until 72 minutes, you are allowed to say your bracha But once you've crossed 72 minutes, you cannot say a bracha anymore. If you've passed 72 minutes and you're 100% sure that you're still not hungry for that food, so you were satisfied and you're 100% sure you were not hungry, then you can carry on saying bracha or any bracha 72 minutes is only there as a guide if you're not sure if you're hungry or not hungry. Where there's a sophic, and when there's a sophic, it's a sophic bracha, then up until 72 minutes, you can still say your bracha achreina. Ideally, you should say it straight away. Next best is within half an hour. After that, you should ideally eat a kazais if you can. If you can't, you can carry on saying your bichas until 72 minutes. Post 72 minutes, you cannot say your bichas or your bracha achreina unless you are 100% sure that you're, you're satisfied and you're not hungry for that food anymore at all. If post 72 minutes you're not sure, then don't say any bracha However, if you ate a suda of bread and you were fully satisfied with the bread, as we've discussed in the previous shurim, and therefore you're now mechuyav, you're obligated to say b'chus hamazon min ha-tayra, and we know that any doubt in a 
fulfillment of a rabbinical obligation. We always err on the side of caution and we say don't repeat it. But if it's a doubt in a biblical obligation, whether you fulfilled it or not, then we always err on the other side of the caution and we say repeat it, do it again. Because a suffolk the rice is always l'chumra and a suffolk drabonon is l'kula. So if I ate a meal of bread and I was fully satisfied with that bread, so I'm completely satisfied, I now have a chiyuv min hatayr, I have a biblical obligation to say bichas amazon. And I post, I've passed my 72 minutes and I'm not sure. And I think, could I eat some more bread now? Could I not eat some more bread now? I'm not quite sure how you can if you're satisfied, but let's assume you're one of these people that could. And you're not sure. Could I, couldn't I? Am I hungry? Could I? I don't know. So you're now in, a, in the situation of Sophic. Sophic Bechus Hamazon, which you're obligated Min HaToyah. Sophic Darais of the Chumrah, carry on saying Bechus Hamazon. Just as we said, if a person is not sure if he said Bechus Hamazon or hasn't said Bechus Hamazon and he ate enough to obligate him to say Bechus Hamazon Min HaToyah, we will say to him, say Bechus Hamazon, Mi Sophic. Even though normally Sophic Brachas Lohake, we always err on the side of caution to be makel when it comes to a Bracha. That's because Brachas are only Drabonon. But when it comes to Bichas Muslim, which is a Sophic Deraisa, we have to err on the side of caution in the other direction. We have to say Sophic Deraisa the Chumra, say Bichas Muslim again. So when it comes to that level of Bracha, if you're completely satisfied with your bread, with your Suda, to the point that you're Mechir to say Bichas Muslim Min HaToyra, and you're not sure if you are, have reached the time of digestion, or you haven't begun to reach the time, the time of digestion, say your Bichas Muslim because Sophic Deraisa the Chumra. This time frame of 72 minutes, which is a kula, which is a leniency in itself, but a leniency which we accept la applies only to food. It does not apply to drink. There is no given time for drink other than the subjective measure of, am I thirsty? Or am I not thirsty again? If a person has a drink of a cup of water and he didn't say barinafoshis, he had a cup of orange juice and he didn't say barinafoshis, after 10 minutes, he thinks, um, am I thirsty? Am I not thirsty? No, I'm not thirsty. And he can still say, burn the 20 minutes. Am I thirsty? He says, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe I am thirsty. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Little bit thirsty. I'm not a little bit thirsty. I have no idea. He can't say, but he can't say, burn the again. You can only say, burn the on a drink if you are sure that you are not, you have not reached a stage where you're perhaps a little bit thirsty again for that drink. Your person might be thirsty, want a cup of wine, but it doesn't mean he's thirsty for that drink. If you had a cup of orange juice, the fact that in 20 minutes time he wants a cup of wine is not relevant to me. I need to know, am I thirsty for another cup of orange juice or another half a cup of orange juice? If I am, then I've already reached the beginning of Ickle, where that, that the orange juice has begun to be absorbed by the body, and therefore I cannot make a bracha achorina anymore. The we begin to measure digestion, and therefore we begin to measure the time of 72 minutes from the end of the meal. Now, the end of the meal means as follows. If I ate a meal, and I began my meal at 1 o'clock, Shabbos afternoon, and I finished my meal 2 o'clock, Shabbos afternoon, but we had a cup of tea afterwards, and then we brought out some petty fours, and, 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 some, and we dragged out the meal for another hour, even though I ate sporadically, but that's still considered a continuation of the meal. So my 72 minutes will start when I finish the meal, every aspect of the meal, even the afters, even the dessert, even the bits which come after the dessert. That's all considered part of my meal. 
bei Gringo. I can count my 72 minutes from the end of when I finish eating. What would happen if I ate a meal? And we haven't discussed these halachas in detail. And we, will, we will come back to them, Be'ezus Hashem. But what would happen if I ate a meal and I was Messiah Das? I let my mind wander away from a meal or a food. It makes no difference what. I had a cup of, I had a, a, a biscuit, two biscuits, three biscuits. I'm now Mechayit Michio. And I was Messiah Das from my biscuits. I didn't intend to eat any more. I clearly said I'm not having any more. I was Messiah Das. Or I went to a Shinumokim. I changed the place. I went out of my house and I went next door to visit my neighbor. So both of those, Hesachadas, meaning allowing your mind to wander away from the meal. You've lost focus on this meal. Or a change of place obligates you to make a new Brokhari Shona because that's called at the end of the meal. So what would happen if I ate a few biscuits and I went next door to visit my neighbor for five minutes and I came back and I decided I want some more biscuits. And I made another brokhari shayna, as we'll discuss, which, which one needs to. I made another brokhari shayna and I ate some more biscuits. And I still hadn't said my alamech yet. I forgot because the phone rang and, and, and I got distracted and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then 69 minutes later, I realized one second, I haven't said alamech yet. But 69 minutes is 69 minutes from my second set of biscuits, not from my first set of biscuits. And let's assume the second set of biscuits didn't have the shear, didn't have a kazai, it wasn't enough for me to say a bracha Can I combine those two biscuits and say, well, the time of 72 minutes is always measured from when I finished eating, and I ate some biscuits, and then I ate a second set of biscuits. Can I combine the two? Like we said, when it comes to a meal, I start my 72 minutes from the last bit of food of that meal. So here as well, let me say, I count my 72 minutes from the end of my second set of biscuits. Or do we say no? Since you walked off, you finished the first meal, then the 72 minutes starts from the end of the first meal. The second meal is a new meal. That doesn't resolve, that doesn't allow you to stretch your 72 minutes from the second set of biscuits. So if I ate a kazais in my first set, I didn't eat a kazais in my second set, and I'm already hit 72 minutes from the end of my first time I was eating biscuits, even though it's not 72 minutes from the end of my second biscuits, then I cannot make a alamichyo. If I had not gone next door in between, I ate some biscuits, and I waited five minutes, then I ate some more biscuits, and I wasn't Messiah Das, I didn't lose focus, and I didn't go next door, then I can count my 72 minutes from the end of the second second set of biscuits, because it's considered one long achira. But if I did make a break in the middle of Hesach Das, of losing focus, not focusing on my meal, or I went next door, so I had a Shinu Makim, then according to the Mishnah Buru, not everybody agrees to this, but according to the Mishnah Buru, that's considered two separate eatings, and since that's considered two separate types of eating, I have to count my 72 minutes from the first one. If I ate a kazais in the second one, then I'm fine. I can make an alamichya because of my second achila. Now, this is something which breaks a myth that exists in, uh, in society a little bit. We often have this concept that if you finish your meal, you finished eating, so you went for supper and you finished your meal, you finished eating supper, and uh, you didn't say your bracha achreinu. And half an hour later, you remember you didn't say bracha achreinu, and you're, but you're still busy. So you want to give yourself a bit more time. So you say, okay, what I'll do is I'll eat something. And you eat something. And you say, right, I've got another 72 minutes now because I just ate. And technically, that may be right if your second eating was considered a continuation of your first. But if after your first, you were Messiah Das, which is very common, you finished your meal, you got up and you said, I finished my meal now. I'm not eating anymore. And then you got distracted. So you couldn't bench. The phone rang and an emergency and this and that and the other. 
And then half an hour later, he said, okay, you know what? I'll eat something now to, to extend my 70 minutes. That's not going to help you. According to the Mishnah Burr, that will not help you because you'll be Messiah Das. The only time eating extra will help you is if you haven't finished your meal. You haven't been Messiah Das or been Mishana Mokim. You haven't lost your focus on the meal. You stopped the meal because you got distracted. You had to do something, but you never lost focus. You always intended to continue eating. Then you can carry on eating. Whenever you eat, the 70 minutes will start from the last point of eating. But where it's a separate type of food, a separate eating, it's not considered a continuation of, of the previous meal or the previous eating that you ate, then then you would only be able to count your 70 minutes from the end of the first time, the first part of the food, of, of the eating that you ate, or the food that you ate. Rabbi Greenberg, yes, can Mrs. I ask you something? And if one starts eating at home and go in the car, and uh, let's say I start an apple at home, say eight, and then they go into the car and they drive and I've got You, you have a bit of a problem unless you have a clear intention to, when you started your apple, to continue in the in the car, you may need to make a new bracha when, when you go out. We will discuss these Be'ez HaShem in the coming shurim, the halachos of Hesach Adas They're quite complex. And we will do that. I don't want to get distracted with that now because we've got a lot to get through tonight. And I want to stay focused on, on, on where, where, where we are. What would happen if a person reached 70 minutes after his meal and he hadn't benched? So you can still say because it's within 72 minutes. But he's someone that takes more than two minutes over Bechasamozen. If you're a Belia Lopian, you'll take 45 minutes over Bichas Hamozen. Somebody once came to visit him and his wife said, I'm really sorry, he's just started benching. So the visitor said, okay, can I wait? She said, don't wait, come back in three quarters of an hour. If Bichas Hamozen takes three quarters of an hour for you, you have a problem here because you're going to start your Bichas Hamozen within the time frame of 72 minutes, but you're going to finish it well after the time frame of 72 minutes. What do you do? Are you allowed to start or not, and that's a discussion in the poskim. If you ever get to that situation, please give me a call. By the time you get through to me, it'll probably be the end of seventy-two minutes, and it will resolve your problem. Same issue would be: what would happen if a person ate, and then unfortunately he threw up, he sicked all the food, he vomited all the food, and he, the everything that he ate is is now not there anymore. That is equal to digesting the food. Because we only make a bracha achreina on the benefit that we have inside the stomach of the food. Once that food has been vomited and it's not there anymore, one cannot say a bracha samozen. You can't say any bracha achreina. If, however, a person drank or ate a substantial amount of food and vomited only a small amount, so some of that food is still there, then he can still continue saying a bracha samozen. And one final halacha in this category that we want to discuss tonight which is a little bit uh, not quite the, the, the same category, but it's relevant. If a person ate food and he was not Messiah Das, he intended to eat more, and he did not have a Shinimokim, but he got distracted by doing other things, or the newspaper article and all the different uh, illegal weddings was so compelling that he just completely forgot to say his brochach right now. So he looks up and he says, oh dear, 72 minutes now. It's 72 minutes. I can't say my brochach right now. But he would like to eat a bit more. Does he need to say a new bracha rishayna? Does he not need to say a new bracha rishayna? And that is a sophic. Do we say once you've reached the stage of digestion, just like it's too late to say a bracha rishayna, it also undermines 
the bracha, sorry, it's too late to say a bracha achroina. It also undermines the bracha rishoina. Even though you had no hesachadas, and even though you didn't change the place of where you're sitting, where you're eating, or do we say, no, you're, you hadn't lost focus. You didn't change your place of eating. Even though you can't say a bracha achroina because it's 72 minutes, but perhaps you can still say a bracha rishoina. And that is a big suffix in halacha. Ideally, if you are in that situation, you should ask somebody else to make a bracha for you. If you can't find somebody to make a bracha for you, then you cannot make another bracha because it's suffix brachas lahakim. Suffix brachas lahakim. Let's move on to, let's move on to the next subject. If a person makes a bracha on a food, on a piece, on an item of food, we'll talk about an apple just for want of an example. A person makes a bracha on an apple and he intends to eat more apples or more fruit, which, or other foods that carry the same bracha, different fruits that carry the same bracha, he does not need to make another bracha because the bracha that he makes on the original apple suffices for any other food that he intends to eat as well. It makes no difference if my intention is to eat more apples or my intention is to eat any other fruit that carries a bariparates. My bracha bariparates will be sufficient. My bracha on the apple will be a sufficient bracha and would absolve me from making any other brachas of bariparates on any other foods that I intend to eat. If I made a bracha on an apple and I had no intention to eat any other foods, I didn't have any intention not to eat, but I had no intention to eat any other foods, and there was other fruit on the table in front of me, I didn't have specific intention to eat them, but they were on the table in front of me. Since food which is in front of me is considered my das is on them, I consider that I have intention to eat those foods. And therefore, I don't need to make another bracha on any food that's in front of me. So again, if I make a bracha on an apple or any food, and the bracha, I have intention to eat other foods, other fruits with the same bracha or other foods with the same bracha, then I do not need to make another bracha. I do not, do not need to repeat that bracha again. Even if I didn't have intention to eat other fruits or foods, but they're on the table in front of me, then we assume that since they're on the table in front of you, that this bracha is a bracha on all the foods that are on the table in front of you. If, however, there's foods on the table in front of you which you never eat, so, for example, you hate star fruit, but it's on the table in front of you, you never eat a star fruit, and I don't know anybody who likes star fruit, but if you do like, if you don't like star fruit, it's on the table in front of you for whatever reason, because it's tubishvat, but you have no intention to eat it, and you don't like it, and you never would eat a star fruit, and you made your bari priates, and you ate your fruits, then you decide, you know what, I fancy trying a star fruit again. I haven't had it for a year. Let me try it once more. You probably need to make another, another bracha. Because even though it was in front of you on the table, but you clearly had no intention to eat that fruit, then you would need to make a new bracha. So again, if I intended with a positive intention to eat other fruits, even if they're not in front of me, I do not need to make another bracha. Or if the fruits are in front of me, or other foods with the same bracha are in front of me, even without a positive intention, I do not need to make another bracha. But if I definitely do not want to eat that fruit, I definitely am not going to eat it. Even if it's in front of me, then I need to make another bracha if I, if I change my mind.
So if I made a bracha on a bird on an apple, and I had no intention to eat any other fruits, I clearly said I don't eat any other fruits, or there was no fruits on the table in front of me, and I had no intention to go and fetch another apple to eat more apples or more pears or more lychees or more whatever it is, then I changed my mind and decided to have some more fruit, I would need to make another bracha on that fruit, because it, it has not been included in the original bracha that I made on my apple. However, there are many poskim who give us a little bit of a caveat when it comes to that scenario of making a bracha on one fruit or one food where I had no intention to eat any other food. And they say, if I, I even without intention, but if I continue to eat the identical type of food, so I eat another apple, then I don't need to make another bracha, even without intention, even without das, or even if it wasn't in front of me. Or even if it was another type of fruit, fruit. So I made a bracha on an apple, and they brought and it was and, I, and they brought me a pear. If they brought me the pear before I'd finished eating my apple, I still don't need to make a bracha on that pear. So let's repeat that. If I made a bracha on an apple, and I had no intention to eat any other fruit, and I finished my apple, and then they brought me in a pear, I need to make a new bracha. Had they brought me in an apple? I would not need to make a new bracha because there are many parts can say that if it's the same min, even without das, you do not need to make another bracha. A different min, a different type of fruit, you need to make another bracha. Unless they brought you in the apple, they brought you in the pear when you were eating the apple and you were still in the process of eating the apple, you hadn't yet completed the eating of the apple, then you do not need to make another bracha. If I make a bracha on a food which is shahako, I make a bracha on a piece of chocolate, and they then go and bring me, I had no intention to eat any other food, and they then go and bring me a, another piece of food, a piece of sugar, and I am still eating, in the process of eating my chocolate, I do not need to make a bracha on the sugar. If I made a bracha on a piece of chocolate, and I had no intention to eat more chocolate, and then they brought me another piece of chocolate, even if I'd finished my first piece of chocolate, I do not need to make another bracha. If I ate a piece of chocolate and they then brought me a cup of drink, they both carry the same bracha. They both carry the same bracha. Would I say that since I'm still in the process of eating my chocolate, I do not need to make a bracha on my, my drink, just as I wouldn't have to make a bracha if I was brought a cube of sugar? Or do I say drink and food do not go together? And the halachi tells us that drink and food do not go together. And therefore, unless I have specific intention to have the drink after my chocolate, or the drink was in front of me on the table, and it's common to have a drink after your chocolate, which it is, then I would need to make another bracha. So if I had a piece of chocolate, and then somebody brought me a drink, and I had no intention to have a drink, I would need to make another bracha, even if I'm still in the process of eating my chocolate. And it could even be, and it seems from, from the poskim, that... What would happen if I ate a piece of chicken and I made a bracha shahakal on a piece of chicken? And then they brought me a piece of chocolate. I had no intention to eat chocolate after my chicken. And they brought me a piece of chocolate. Chicken and chocolate do not go together. I'm pretty sure in the modern magazines, the, the uh, weekly magazines that they give you with all the hundreds of different uh, recipes, you might find a chocolate and chicken recipe. Anything to make people read the magazine. But between me and you, chocolate and chicken don't go together. 
Chicken is eaten as a state, staple part of my meal. Chocolate is usually as a paparois, as something that's eaten post-meal. One's eaten to satisfy you, one is eaten just as a snack. And therefore, those two types of foods don't really go together, and they would therefore enter the category of a food and a drink. And if I made a bracha shahakal on my chicken with no intention to eat chocolate, and the chocolate was not in front of me, of course, par of chocolate we're talking about here, and there was no intention to eat chocolate, and it wasn't on the table in front of me, and I'm still eating my chicken when they brought me in a chocolate, I would need to make a new bracha on that chocolate when I eat it. Because chicken and chocolate do not go together. And I'm sure you can all think of many other types of foods that don't go together and would then fall into the category of a drink and a food as well. If I ate a food and I was still in the middle of eating the food, so I was eating my apple and I was still in the middle of eating my apple and I had no intention to eat another fruit and they brought me another apple, but that apple was brought from next door. It wasn't even in the house. It was brought from next door. Then the the fact that I'm still eating my apple doesn't help me. I need to make a new bracha. My bracha only works on foods that are accessible to me. Even without explicit implicit intention, even without implicit intention, if they bring it when I'm still in the process of eating, I don't need to make another bracha, but that's only foods that are accessible to me. Foods that come from next door are not considered accessible, and therefore I need to make a new bracha. If I sit down for a meal, breakfast, dinner, supper, whatever it may be, lunch, supper, then the assumption is that whatever is going to be brought to the table as part of that meal, when I make my original bracha, my bracha therefore applies to all the foods I'm going to eat during that meal. So I don't need to sit down at the beginning of my meal and say to my wife, please tell me what's on the menu tonight. And she'll say, oh, it's chicken and it's meat and it's rice and it's falafel and it's, uh, I don't need to know all that. I just need to know whatever standard, just a, a plain thought, whatever's in this meal, and it's automatic, whatever is part of this meal, the bracha will be a bracha on. So if I make a bracha of mezainis, or I make a bracha of shahako, then whatever comes in that meal as part of that meal is considered absolved from its bracha because I made a bracha on my food at the beginning of the meal. Even though I'm not, I didn't wash, I'm not making a bracha on any bread here, but any food that's part of my original meal is absolved in my original bracha on that, on the same type of food. So if I made her eights, all the eights, any type of eights is absolved. Even if it's not in front of me, I don't need to make another bracha. If I made a mazonis, all mazonis is potter. If I made a, a, shah, a shahako, all shahakos are potter because they're considered part of the meal. Similarly, when it comes to a guest in the house of a balabas into the, into a guest in, in somebody's house and the guest sits down, he has no knowledge of what's going to be served and what's not going to be served. He makes a bracha, then his his intention is whatever is going to be served in front of me is considered I'm going to eat. So even if it's not a meal, he sits down and they bring him a some chocolate. So he says, thank you very much, makes a bracha with chocolate. A few minutes later, they bring him some uh, marzipan. So he says, thank you very much. He does not need to make another bracha with marzipan. Even though for the balabas himself, since he had no intention to eat marzipan, he would need to make another bracha. But a guest is considered subordinate to the intention of the balabais. The intention of the balabais here, by the way, means the one who's serving the food. So it doesn't have to be the man of the house or the woman of the house. It means whoever's serving. So if the woman's serving, then she is the balabas with regards to his brachas. If the man's serving, then he's the balabas with, with regards to the brachas. But whatever is brought to the guest, and that was the, the part of what the, the balabais is giving him, automatically becomes absolved from any bracha because the intention of the guest is 
to eat whatever the balabais puts in front of them. And therefore, they don't need to make another bracha. They don't need to have positive intention. It doesn't matter if it's not in front of them, because at the end of the day, they have a, a, a subtle, a subconscious inter- intention that whatever the balabais serves me, that's what I'm going to eat. And my death of the bracha, therefore, applies to everything that the balabais will serve them. Can I ask you something, Rabbi Greenberg? Please, please do. Um, like for instance, it's quite normal at the Sheva Brothers or something. You haven't got enough room in your oven, you'll put the chicken or something in the next door neighbor's oven and then serve from but there. Saying, that's, that's part of a Suda. That's part of a Suda, so that's different. Once you're part of a Suda, then it's considered part of the Suda. You don't need to make another Brocha. Here we're talking about you made a Brocha and an apple where there's no Suda. There's no, there's, there's nothing binding all the foods together other than your intention to continue eating. Right. Then if it comes from next door, then, even though I, normally we say if you have no intention to continue eating and they bring you a, another fruit and you're still in the process of eating the fruit, the, the, the original fruit, you don't need to make another bracha. Coming from next door, you still do. But if the, if you're in the middle of a meal, that's a different story. Now let's move on to the final part of this year, which is interesting and it can be relevant, though it's not common, but it can definitely be relevant. And that is if I was starting to, I made a brach on a, on a food, I made a brach on an apple, or I made a brach on a drink, I made a brach on some wine. And I discovered just as I finished my bracha that the food or the drink are not edible. So for example, I made a bracha on an apple and I saw this enormous caterpillar suddenly poking his head out of the apple. There's no way I'm going to take a bite of the apple. Or I made a brach on a cup of wine and I was about to drink it and I realized it had turned vinegar. It had gone rancid. It's not wine anymore. Or I made hamotzi on some bread and I remembered, oh dear, I've forgotten to take challah from that bread. I can't eat it. What do I do? So immediately, I should say, because my brother was on this specific food and this specific food is not edible. So my bracha is considered a bracha of atola. I try to mitigate the bracha of atola as much as I can. And I say, as Yushalmi tells me, we say, If I said, Hashem, I haven't finished my bracha, and I realize that my food is inedible, then I should say, Tosis tells us, I say, because that's a pasuk, and tell him, and I haven't then made a bracha of atola. So, what we're going to do now is bring in the previous halachas that we've discussed with regards to intention and food, when a bracha of one food will absolve you on a bracha on the other food, into the picture here now with regards to making a bracha on a food where the food is not edible. So if I made a bracha on an apple and I had no intention to eat any other apples and there's no other food, no other apples in front of me, then I have not, there's, I have no choice. The food that my bracha was only on this apple I can't eat this apple. It's a brachla vatola. I need to try and mitigate that as much as I can. I'll say my brach shenkvav machosoylo lomboed, or I'll say lamdeni chukech if I'm in a position where I'm able to do that. But if I had, I made a brach on an apple, and I had other apples in front of me, or even if I had no other apples in front of me, but I had clear intention to have other fruits, more fruit, even though it wasn't in front of me. Then in that case, my bracha is a bracha not only on the apple I'm holding, but it's a bracha on the apples on the table in front of me, or it's a bracha on the other fruits which are not in front of me that I had 
clear intention to eat. Then what I should do is immediately go and pick up another apple or another fruit that's in front of me or run and get another apple or another fruit that I intended to eat from the kitchen or wherever you keep the rest of your fruits and eat that straight away. Because then my brocha is a brocha on those fruits and it's not a brocha batala and I've managed to get around the, the, the worry and the problem of a brocha batala. The same would apply, and, and this scenario talks is we find in, in Shulchan Aruch, the person making Kiddush Friday night and he discovers the wine is rancid, or he's making Kiddush and he drops the wine. So it spills. There's nothing left. You can't now drink that wine. I mean, you made your Bar often. So if you intended to have more wine during the meal, then fine. Take the wine, quickly fill up your case and carry on and drink it. If you had no intention to drink more wine during the meal, or clearly you never drink wine during the meal, ever, unless unless it's Leo Seda, you don't drink wine during the meal, so there's a clear negative intention here of not drinking wine, then you're stuck. You're stuck. You need to make a new Bori Piyagofen. You do not need to make a new Kiddush, but you would need to make make a new Bori Piyagofen. If you're a guest, in the home of your host and you make a bracha and they, they give you an apple and you make a bracha and then you discover that the apple is wormy. So they quickly, they go, the host embarrassingly quickly runs and gets another apple. Since you're a guest in the house of your host and we said earlier that a guest automatically a bracha on whatever he makes is a bracha on all the food that the host will supply him and serve him. Therefore, when the host runs and brings him another apple, he doesn't need to make another bracha. Because the original brocho is a brocho on the apple too. Because whatever the balabai serves is included in the original brocho. Therefore, he would not need to repeat that brocho either. So let's broaden the discussion for another couple of minutes. And that is, I'm making Kiddush Friday night. And I make Kiddush. And I say, boy, Pierre Goffin. And the people around me have wine in their cup already. Some people have that minute, they put wine in their cups already. And I say my very often, my intention is to be moitzi myself. So I should be f- fulfilling the mitzvah of Kiddush with the bracha of very often. And I also want to be moitzi the listeners, those who are listening, who are around the table. And then I finish my Kiddush. And I'm about to drink, and it spills. Completely spills, so I don't have any more wine to make a brocha on. Now, here's a slightly different scenario, because here, I've made a bracha for myself, and I've made a bracha for those who are listening, too. And those who are listening still have their wine in front of them. So for them, it's still a bracha. So because my bracha is a bracha for them, even if I had no intention to drink more wine, I can immediately take some more wine, pour it into my cup and drink it. And my bracha will be considered a bracha for me too. Because as since my bracha is a bracha for the shaman, for those who are listening to my bracha, that, in, that somehow or other holds the bracha in, in, in midair and holds it and doesn't, we don't lose the bracha. It's not lost completely. It's not a bracha of atalav. It's not lost completely. 
And therefore, I can now just quickly add some more wine and make a bracha. And sorry, I drink without making a bracha. If I ever I spoke after I made my bracha, prior to getting the wine and quickly filling my cup and drinking, I spoke. I said, I was in a, in a bit of a state because I didn't re- I realized something happened. I got, got flustered because it dropped and there's no more wine there. So I quickly said, or I said, please bring me some more wine. Or I said, oh dear. Or any other expression of exasperation that a person makes when something like that happens to him. So he's spoken. Once you've spoken, you've lost your bracha. And the fact that the shamim may be yaitzah their bracha doesn't help you at all. What would be the scenario the other way around? If a person makes a bracha and he's being moitzi other people who are around the table, and the other people around the table, just before they drank, they spilled their wine. And there's no more wine in the cup. Can he go and take a drop more wine? Pour it in and say, one second, since the Mavorich has been Yotzi's bracha, so the Shemer can also. Or can he not? That seems to depend what type of food we're talking about. It seems on bread and wine, since it's considered eating together, you can. Even though the Shemer never made a bracha, and the bracha that the Mavarach made for the Shemer didn't actually work for that Shemer because what he intended to drink or eat became ruined and, not, and inedible. But if it's bread and wine, he can quit, we can go and bring other bread and other wine, even if he had no intention to eat it, and it will be sufficient. If it's any other food that's not considered a kvirus, we don't eat other foods together. A person doesn't eat chocolate together. I'm eating a piece of chocolate and you're eating a piece of chocolate. It's not considered eating together. Only bread and wine is considered eating together. Then if I make a bracha shahakal on a piece of chocolate with the intention to be mighty other people in the room who are eating chocolate, and then one of the shamim dropped his chocolate and it was an edible, bringing him another piece of chocolate is not going to help him. He's going to have to make a new bracha. So there we have the two areas of, of Hilchus brachas, the halachas of where and when my bracha is sufficient, one bracha is sufficient, when does it absolve me from making other brachas and other foods that I'm eating? And the halacha, when my food becomes inedible before I'm able to eat it, eat it, post making a bracha, they, they work together as a single group of halachas, because really that's what they are. When does my bracha over one food become a bracha over other foods that I don't need to make another bracha on the second food? And therefore the halachas of Brachas on food, absolving me of making brachas on other food, will really become relevant here when the food is inedible. And it is, it can happen. You can easily open up a bar of chocolate, make a bracha and realize that this chocolate is moldy. Or drink a cup of milk, make a bracha and a cup of milk, and discover that the milk is sour. Eat your breakfast and you discover the milk sour. It, it can happen in many scenarios. And then you have to remember this, the, the criteria and, the, and, and the, the rules that we've given, we've set out today. That Primarily, if you have no intention to eat any other food, you need to make a new bracha when you refill your breakfast bowl or when you drink a new cup of milk or when you have another piece of chocolate. It can be anything. If you intended to eat a second plate of cereal, more milk, then you don't need to make another bracha. Quickly go and get the other milk and the other cereal, fill your bowl and eat it without a bracha. 
If it was in front of you, even if you had no intention, you don't need to make another profit. If you are a guest in a house, in somebody else's house, you don't need to make another bracha, as long as they bring it to you straight away. And all this is talking about when you do not talk between your bracha and the other foods that you bring to the table after you realize that the original food is inedible. In the scenarios where you do not need to make another bracha, you must not talk. If you did talk, then you need to make a new bracha. If you're in a situation where you can't get around, there's no other food, you had no intention, and there's no food in front of you, and you're not a guest, etc., in your own home, and there's no way that you can resolve the brochel of Atala, then make sure you say, or if you're early on in the brochel, you say, these types of halachas you really need to know clearly, because when the scenarios, when, the, when you find yourself in such a scenario, you haven't really got the time to go and look up your brochel's book, or look up your notes, or go and listen to the share again, because it'll be far too late for then to go back and take your fruit, and take your food, and eat it. So this bracha shouldn't be a bracha levatola. You need to eat that food as quickly as you can, almost immediately. So if your apple or your fruit, your drink is inedible, you go as quick as you can to get the other extra bit of food that you intended to eat. Make sure you eat it straight away. And then we discussed once more, we'll just repeat that once more. If a person is making a bracha on behalf of many others, and the others have their food in front of them, even if the person who's making the bracha loses his food, that enables him to go quickly and take some other food and still make a bracha, and, and eat it without making a bracha, because since the listeners, the bracha is a bracha for the listeners, it's considered a bracha for him too. And the other way around is a bit more complicated. If the mavarach makes a bracha and the listener loses his food, then it depends if the type of food that they're eating is a food that's considered eating together, then the shemer can go and get another bit of food, some more bread, some more wine, and not need to make a bracha. But if it's chocolate or something that's not considered eating together, then the shemer will have to go and make a new bracha, unless he had das to eat more, unless he intended to eat other fruits or is on the table in front of them. I hope that gives you a understanding of strange scenarios that may arise in Hilchah's brachas. We will, Be'ez Hashem, continue to discuss the, the halachas of Hesach Adas and, and Shinu Mokim. Uh, and we've still got some other areas that we need to continue to finish off. We need to talk about Iker and Tofu and Taruvas, what's called the, the primary food, what's called the secondary food, what's called a mixture, what brachas do I make on a mixture. And then we need to talk about the brachas on mitzvahs and the brachas of Shvach, like brachas on thunder and lightning. And we'll discuss those when we come to the end of the series of brachas. But we've still got a way to go. And we'll see you back, Be'ez Hashem, all in good health in two weeks' time. And then in four weeks' time, we will do the pre-Pesach Shem, Et Hashem, and we'll continue the rest of Hilfus Brachas post-Pesach. And by then, Be'ez Hashem, we should all be in a better frame of mind, in a better place, and we'll be able to be back in shul together without any of this social distancing, without any of these uh, these distractions. We'll be able to serve the Ben Shalom as we need to, and as we should, and we should have good health for everybody, and for all those Chaylim who are unwell. We wish them all well, and they should all be healthy, and have a very good night. <laughs>